At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. In some way, I burst through some taboos um, as far as I ended a marriage. Um, and I did it to save my life. What life I was going to have was going to have to be on my own without my ex. And it was, I did not enter into it lightly. Um, I would have preferred that not be the case. But I could not change him. And that was the only way that anything was going to get better is if either he changed or I left. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. So welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. With me today is Kathy, who I worked with a number of years ago and has um, has her own journey and some inspiration to share with you. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Karen, and I appreciate the opportunity to share all the uh, wonderful things that have happened, which I never thought would happen. <laughs> yeah, and what a, what a perfect opening. So just for some context... Um, how long were you married? I was married uh, 15 years before the divorce process started. Right. And how another, long was your divorce process? Another couple of years almost, yeah. uh, just, just a little over two years. Yeah. For those of you who are in the New York area, you can, you can understand we tend to take a little bit longer here. So, you know, one of the things, this, this uh, episode, as you know, is meant to... Um, inspire others. And I find most of my guests uh, find that they also experience this new sense of, yeah, wow, I, I have come a long way as they just tell their story. So to start off, uh, how would you describe um, yourself and how you kind of were in the world in the very early stages of your divorce? Um, well, it precipitated, for lack of a better word, um, things had been the same for years. Uh, I had not been happy. I did not know why. And when I decided to seek some help for that, it kept, I 
kept pointing to what kind of life do I have? Am I happy with my life? A large part of my life was revolving around my husband and the work that we had. Uh, We worked together for all of the 15 years. Wow. Uh, So I had, yeah, I had a few other things at stake, not just my marriage. I mean, it's never just the marriage that's at stake, really. But in my case, uh, it was not only my job, it was also my profession. Right. Right. So, and, and that's such a poignant point because just the dissolution of a marriage is a lot. But when you have a family business or you're, if you're working for your spouse's business, then all of a sudden there's a lot more on the table. And it's interesting. So you're saying that um, you didn't quite know why you were not fulfilled. You just knew you were not fulfilled. Right. There was, I didn't see that anything was ever going to change because I, I kept thinking the same thing. It was, it was my, it was my fault. It was my reason. It was because of me that I wasn't happy. And of course we're responsible for happiness. Um, you know, that's really was besides the point. It was anytime I did try to initiate something different in my marriage, uh, met with incredible amount of resistance and often some hostility. Um, you know, the ex was very much about appearances and about success, as, as he termed it. Uh, it was never about what was going to be fulfilling. Right. And if I recall, um, you kind of were drinking that Kool-Aid like that because that was his priority. It's how you were living your life. But yet there was a disconnect. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember that this was in 2013. And I remember thinking in February of 2013, in our line of work, uh, it was going to be busy for another couple of months. And then I said, all right, well, it's going to happen for another couple of months. And then in the spring, we were going to do this. And we were going to do this just the same as we had done for 15 years. And that was probably the most depressed I'd ever been in my life, realizing that nothing was ever going to change. Right. And so entering the divorce, did you, did you file or did he file? I filed. Okay. What were some of your, it's, it's such a scary step to take and you had a child. How, how old was your child when you decided to? Uh, my son was turning 10. Okay. He was still nine years old. And what were some of the, um, what were some of the things you remember in terms of, either your greatest fears or even some of the biggest um, personal obstacles that you had to overcome? I don't know how much time we have to talk about that, but uh, it was it was truly terrifying for me. Even though in some ways I look back and I said on paper, I had nothing to be afraid of, mm. but I had everything to be afraid of in the moment. Right. Uh, I was not only in my mind, as difficult as it was, um, I worried about losing 15 years of, you know, um, assets, I guess. It's, you know, like my, my, I knew, I already knew that the marriage was over from an emotional point of view. It was still hard, but I was going to lose my credibility in the profession I was in. I was going to lose my home. I was going to lose my child. I was going to lose every, every dime in the bank and I was never going to work again 
and everyone was going to kick me out and think I was a horrible heathen for ending a marriage because my religion uh, was did not allow it. And so what you're describing is such all of our quintessential worst case scenarios squared yes. and squared again, mm-hmm. like absolutely everything's going to go wrong. Life as I know it is ending. And what's after that is a nightmare. And that, that was your view. Um, so we're not going to, we're not going to jump to the, to the current day, but uh, I do want to ask you this. Um, if that was your greatest fear, on a scale of one to a hundred, what percentage of that reality came true? Two percent. And I want our listeners to hear that that, that whatever yeah. you're fearing, uh, every every um, every client, former client that we talk to says similar says something similar to that. And, uh, and so if I could, uh, your ex was a pretty big personality. He had strong opinions. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I remember you telling me that, um, that you had lost yourself a little bit, like his opinions, his perspectives were actually between your ears, a little bit louder and clearer than your own. Is that true? Yes. Uh, his voice was the only voice I heard in my head. Aside from my parents, but that's a whole other therapy issue. Um, <laughs> when I was married, it was only his concerns, his opinions that mattered. Um, of course, taking care of you know, taking care of our son, you know, son had to be a higher priority as well. But how much was left for me? Tiny, tiny part, and. Um, as I went through the divorce process, ironically, his voice got louder for a while. Mm-hmm. What's he going to think of this? How is he going to use this? It, it, it verged on paranoia for me. Um, and it was being in a, you know, an adversarial situation like this, being able to think like him in a way helped, but it was so difficult emotionally. And so, what changed? Uh, well, I did have uh, a, an extraordinarily wonderful therapist uh, this whole time. I stuck with him, even though there were times when I felt uncomfortable going because uh, he hit a nerve or whatever. And am I going to ever be able to afford this? Yes. You know, I muddled through with that. Um, and as time went on, and I started to see the cracks in my ex's behavior, such that um, he he's used to being the bu- the bully. And when a bully gets pushed back by someone who's got a stronger personality, i.e., my attorney, right. who was also wonderful, very very expensive, but he was very good. He had a lot of experience. Uh, he was not going to be intimidated. Um, I did have a good team. I have to say this again. It was, it was, I would have preferred to be relaxed and just let's get down to the numbers. Let's get down to the strategy. It wasn't going to happen because there was so many hurt feelings. And when the more I saw that the what was it the, had clay feet? What was that expression? <laughs> you know, the marble 
statue has clay feet. Right, right. Uh, you know, when I, my ex made some tactical errors with the divorce. Um, and I didn't know they were. I thought, oh, my God, he's getting his way. He's getting he's doing whatever he wants. And the judge and the attorneys were like, you can't do that. And finally, I started to see, hey, maybe I'm not the stupidest person in the room. <laughs> you know, and he wasn't the smartest. Right, right. Um, it did take some time. It really did. Uh, it wasn't until actually probably about a couple of months before we signed off on the uh, stipulation agreement that uh, I started to feel better about myself. Right. And you and I worked a lot, um, I think it was the tail end, but mostly even post-divorce. Yes. And so what brought you, do you recall, um, because so many people you know, reach out in those early stages when they're overwhelmed, what was it that brought you to Journey Beyond um, when you reached out? I had, it, right after I was separated, um, it was after, you know, I'll keep this brief, it was after a domestic violence uh, incident that I had to call the police, and uh, I was terrified uh, for that. I realized how isolated I was, and I started going to a church, and that's where we met. Um, I started going to a support group. With It was a separate, it was a separate uh, organization, and I found that you know, I could actually deal with other people on my own, but it was still going. I was very timid. Um, but then, you know, having seen you uh, at church, having realized, oh, you're not going to disappear if I need you. <laughs> and you have been, you know, amazing about, you know, keeping me on track with reminding me what we talked about last time and offering, you know, a, a very sympathetic ear, no judgment. And, um, you know, it was it was a it was a group of things that really came together for me, and you know, of course, Journey Beyond is a big part of that. You know, one of the things I remember as you're talking, um, this is what happens in these conversations, like the the file gets downloaded, was that you actually emerged with a settlement that gave you some time and space to figure out your next step, but that. Mm-hmm. The part of the, I think that that where the voice in your head and um, and the fear converged, one of the places was um, the fear that um, that you you couldn't take the time, that you wouldn't be able to pay your bills. Like there was a r- lot of paralysis that seemed to have your ex's voice in your head judging you um, and keeping you from kind of going down that path that you that you thought you wanted to go down. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because his he, he used to say his name was on the door. Uh, his name was on everything. And as a result, I... I assume that meant he was taking responsibility for everything. In fact, it was about taking control of everything. So my point, my, my place in this was the backup. And the reason this is important is that my decision-making was always uh, secondary. Once I was free to make my own decisions and also bear the responsibility but no blame, so if I say, okay, I need a ch- session with Karen or I need a session with my therapist or I need to speak to somebody about getting back in shape or buying a dog or whatever I need to do, 
if it is a good decision, pat, pat myself on the back and go with it. If it was not a great decision, no one's going to give me a hard time. I'm a grown up. And it turns out my gut was right. My gut was right with investing the time, committing resources. Um, you know, it, as a sub, you know, small incidents here. Um, my son always wanted a dog, and it wasn't until after I was separated and you know, well separated, almost a year, that finally I had the nerve to say, "I'm going to look into this." Now I had to learn a lot. And I had to make it, and it was a, you know, dog less, you know, less <laughs> first few time. weeks of my ownership. Uh, we're going to have that dog a long time. And here we are, you know, it's almost eight years later and the dog is doing great and my son is doing great. And, you know, I did not, you know, I, I didn't end up falling prey to my worst fears. You know, whatever's good for you is worth looking into. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing is that being, um, your decisions being secondary when you were, when all of a sudden it was all on your shoulders. Um, in the beginning, there was, I think the word you, you said in, the, in my notes was there was a lot of self-doubt. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so growing into trusting your intuition, trusting your discernment, um, and even quieting the critical voice in your head, like how, what would you say that um, the impact of, of going through that practice, that journey was for you? I still find myself second guessing myself. I think it's because I'm human. Um, the only thing is that I can go another, I, I can take another question beyond that and say first one thing that when we worked through is you said how true is that challenge the assumption right. just because I've always asked for somebody else's opinion or asked for somebody else's wisdom doesn't mean it's a bad thing but it should now no longer paralyze me when you get to a point in your life where you know you've worked full-time and you've had a career and you've made major purchases and you've made major decisions and you've had a child and, or any of those things, you, you gain some wisdom from that. Right. And if there's truly something I don't know anything about, then I know it's a good question. But as far as, Oh, sh should I paint this? Should I paint this room green or blue? Like I'm just going to pick one. Right. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Calming the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. And you actually made some really big decisions. So if I remember correctly, um, uh, you ended up stepping away from uh, the industry that you were in for a while, and you did some real um, 
internal work to decide, you know, what else would you like to do? And if I remember correctly, you actually went back to school and then there was the fear of being good enough in the classes. And I believe if I remember you ended up rocking it, can you just, and then we're going (laughs) to, we're going to talk about the next chapter, but I want to, I think that's such a big part because it just is another layer of the fear. So can you just tell a little story about that part of your journey? Oh, this is fun. Uh, <laughs> the the industry was in uh, all office work. You know, ever since I was in high school, just did sat at the desk and did what I did. Uh, never really challenged it because I always was able to find work. And then I did that work with my ex for a long time. And coming out of it, I would work for other people doing the same kind of work, and it was the same stuff, different day. I could not see any difference. Uh, the environment, but the people or the, 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 the culture was exactly the same. So finally, after having worked at about four different jobs in a two-year period, three-year period, I said, what am I doing? I have an opportunity here. Can I make this work? And I took a deep breath. I talked to Karen. I, you know, I talked to you about it a lot. I talked to you know a couple of other people about it. And the answer I kept coming back to was, I should do it now. It's a good time to do it because I am not going to get more courage the longer I wait. Went back to school. I'm surrounded by people. Uh, it was, you know, it's part time. Surrounded by people of all different backgrounds, different ages, different experiences. It was amazing. I was there. I ended up. I was fortunate enough to not have to work at the time. I was just kind of living off of what I still had, and um, I graduated. I you know, I passed the, there's a licensing exam involved. I passed that and, um, I had a blast. It's really been, it's really been good. And I bet it did a lot for your, um, self-confidence to be able to step into that whole new world and, and do so well in it and then emerge with exactly what you wanted. It, It was, you know, it forced me to focus on something other than the past and the familiar. That was a big part of why I smile so much even thinking about it. Uh, you know, it was unfortunately with everything that happened in 2020, um, I had to take a break from it. But, you know, I'm looking forward to going back. Beautiful. Beautiful. And let's just let's fast forward now. Our time is just flying by. One of the biggest fears that people have is... Either I'm never going to meet a partner again, or I'm going to make the same mistake again, and so I'm not even going to try. And I think when we started working together, you either, I think you had met um, your current partner. And so can you share a little bit about if you had fear around dating, and then I would love for you to share a little bit about what's different now in your current relationship than in your last one, and why? When I started out the divorce process, as wrung out emotionally and every other method as I was, I, I am never getting involved with anybody ever again. No way, no how. Not happening. Thank goodness I was willing to change that opinion. <laughs> um, what it came down to was I have the right to be as selective about my partner as I do about anything else and more so. I love that statement. Yeah. And as 
my background, you know, my, my, my upbringing, my parents, my home life when I was growing up, I didn't see that as an option. Just meet somebody, and if they're interested in you, jump. Don't <laughs> jump. Just, just, you're so lucky if you get somebody. You're so lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, don't take too many people and you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that, which is – you know, call those my, limiting beliefs. Yes, very, very. <laughs> um, so now that I have, in some way, I burst through some taboos um, as far as I ended a marriage. Um, and I did it to save my life. What life I was going to have was going to have to be on my own without my ex. And it was, I did not enter into it lightly. Um, I would have preferred that not be the case, but I could not change him. And that was the only way that anything was going to get better is if either he changed or I left. So now when it came time, when I did start healing, I mean, we worked, we worked, you know, along this, uh, quite a bit. Uh, I did not date right away. I waited two, two years, two and a half years before I had a first date with anybody after I was separated. Wow. And it was a good two and a half years to do that. I could focus on other things that we, you know, we already touched on. But when it came time to say, I'm going to be able to assert myself. The fact is I felt free to say no to anyone, to anything, no apologies or excuses. If I didn't like how I was being spoken to or treated the answer was no. And then along came Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> and how long have you and Andrew been together now? We started dating um, in 2016, so it's a little over four years now. Yeah. A third of your marriage, practically. Um, and uh, so one of the things I find is that we we heal and refine through divorce and then we meet someone and then there's another layer of healing and refining um, because it's easy to be the master of your own domain when it's just you and your household with your kid and your puppy um, but when you're in relationship with another adult right like a lot of a lot of um Old baggage sometimes will come up that hasn't been cleared away yet, uh, insecurities, even old ways of being that um, that you just didn't clear out. Uh, and then the other person is bringing, you know, so your luggage and their luggage are dumped on the dining room table and there you go. Um, so can you share with our audience anything that you're comfortable sharing in terms of that piece of the journey for you, what you learned, how you grew, or even, you know, what what you and Andrew talked about, about how that um, played for him as well. Like, what what does that look like a little bit? In the case of... Um for my, my, you know, my marriage was about stru- strictly about logistics and getting things done. It was very little fun. Mm. What I decided was that, okay, I don't need help with knowing where to live. I don't need help, help with learning what to do for a living. I don't need help even raising my child. I've become very capable of doing that on my own um, with, with a certain amount of input from people wiser than myself, but you know, not, as a, not from a peer. Um, I said, 
if I have a partner long-term or forever, we're going to have fun together. He has to be responsible. In my case, he has to be responsible. Um, he has to know who he is and not be looking at me to be the person to fill in all the gaps in his life. So when it came time, I, I tried online dating. And what I did was, and I was very proud of myself, I told, I am going to be so picky and so selective. If I get one answer a week or a month or a year, I will know that it's, you know, it's, it's good enough that I'm picky. Um, in Andrew's case, you know, he had been in a marriage that was deteriorating over a long period of time. And, uh, he had, um, you know, he'd gone online dating also. And when we met, we both were cautious. It wasn't one of those, oh, my God, this is the one. It wasn't like that. We had to get to know each other like you would get to know anyone. And the bond that we formed was over, you know, we're going to do things together. And we're going to be each other's partners. And we're going to be each other's best friends and but not only friends and not only you know social outlet or whatever we started when you know it was just pre-pandemic we started exploring some interests we each had we we took yoga classes together we took ballroom dancing classes together we've oh, traveled these are all things that i remember thinking years ago it'd be really cool to do stuff like that mm. and now i can open up and you know like to say, hey, can we go do something? Like, okay, when? <laughs> we work it out. So I'm hearing that you met someone who had a more equal value um, of a balanced life with fun and recreation than mm -hmm. than your last partner. And and in terms of just uh, partnership, uh, you were saying that 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 your ex is a big personality, that he was a bully. Um, after all of that work that you did, what's the personality that you manifested? Like, how would you describe Andrew in partnership versus your ex in partnership? I look at it this way. We're both on very much the same level as far as who's in charge. We're both willing to take charge, but not take over. Mm, uh, well you know, yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't mind driving when we go somewhere. I don't mind. He doesn't mind what if I drive. I, you say, I say, listen, let's get takeout tonight. Sure. What do you want? I'll pick it up. Or I'll say, okay, I'm making this tonight. He says, okay, great. It, it's not a matter of um, I have to make him happy. It's like, this is what I want to do. And I let him know because I value that he's happy too. It sounds like balance. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So given like all of your fears, I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to, um, how would you describe your life post-divorce? And you are talking to people who very often are entering that long, dark, scary tunnel of uncertainty. How would you describe um, the entering of your tunnel and now where you are now? It is probably one of the hardest things to go through as an adult. 
happens is divorce, whether you initiate it or it's mutual or the other person initiated it. Um, make, trying to make the pain go away is probably the highest priority when you're starting. Unfortunately, it's necessary. And I wish I could say that it's linear. It's not. Um, even though there were times when I had, yeah, I came out of court and, you know, we're moving forward with this. And then two days later, oh, no, not again. Something else happened. Um, just staying the course is really important. But why are you staying the course? Because you're going to have the life you dreamed about. If you were unhappy in being married to this particular person, um, I'm sorry, I have to close the door. <laughs> sorry. When it gets better, it'll be a little bit at a time. Little glimpses of sunlight. Uh, little sweetnesses and little feel like, you know, strokes of good luck. Mm. But little by little, it gets brighter and it does get better. But remembering why you wanted to be not married to this particular person is something to hang on to. And right now, I could not have the life I have now, with which I'm very satisfied and sometimes I'm really happy about. Um, wouldn't be possible if I had stayed married to my ex. So you've landed in a good and better place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I, I just want to kind of uh, dovetail on that. For those of you who are listening and did not choose, and um, and I know there's plenty of people who feel like I never wanted this, um, just just a slight um, uh, difference of perspective from what what Kathy's saying. I chose and and I was unhappy, and so I completely get what you're saying. Most of the people that we've coached who didn't choose um, start out uh, with what we refer to as a cover story. It was so great. Um, he or she was my best friend, the best partner. When a marriage dissolves, um, there's often, uh, almost always, underlying dis-ease, dysfunction, um, and oftentimes clients at some point through the process are able to take off those rose-colored glasses and see that um, you were really loyal and you were really tenacious and you were willing to hold out, but you weren't completely fulfilled and it wasn't so rewarding. And so if that is, is if you're on that path, you don't see that part yet, trust that when you do the kind of work that Kathy's talking about, when you're talking to a therapist, working with one of the Journey Beyond Divorce coaches, you will, without any judgment, without any agenda, start peeling back the layers and seeing... Um, what worked for you and what didn't, and that too can uh, be the the the, the um, life raft that holds you as you go through the the stormy waters. And 
I will say, um, and Kathy, you put it so beautifully, I was talking to a client yesterday and I said, I've been doing this 11 years now and I've had one client who emerged seemingly worse off uh, than um, uh, post-divorce. And now he's actually in a great place. He just lived in a lot of resistance for a really long time. And so it ended up being an inside job, that shift, as it always is. So um, do you have any last words of wisdom uh, that you want to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye? You know, um, Andrew uh, did not choose his divorce. And what you're saying right now is there is a the blessings that can come out of going through this process are not nearly as obvious when you didn't choose it. Um, for what Andrew, I won't share that here, but what Andrew went through in his situation was at least as painful as what I went through. And he managed to get through it. He is a lot happier now because he knows that he was unhappy in his marriage, but he wasn't going to act on it. What I would suggest to anyone, uh, when you work with someone who's supportive, it makes such a huge difference, no matter who it is. If it's, if it's Karen, if it's another coach, if it's a therapist, a, a really well-adjusted friend <laughs> that you want to talk to. This is about you. This is what you want to do with the rest of your life. Whatever your resources are, they're yours. You don't answer to anyone else anymore. They become part of who you are. And, you know, it will work out. It will work out. Maybe not the way you planned, but it will. Well said. I had a client recently who just talked to what you said earlier about um, uh, being in relationship. He said, um, I've, I've loved out of need and wanting to be filled. And now as I'm navigating divorce and emerging, I want to love myself enough so that I'm loving out of abundance. And I thought that that was so beautifully put. And it sounds like you and... Um, and Andrew have gotten to a place where you're loving out of abundance. And so uh, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story, for sharing um, your wisdom. And for those of you listening, each of these voices of celebration um, are designed to give you different um, scenarios where you'll find commonality in what you're going through and in the hopes of pouring hope and encouragement into you and your journey. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next Voices of Celebration and we'll be back soon. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.